Welcome back to The Rake. We have a very special guest, very special actually, uh, Phil Galfon. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me and for the calling me special. <laughs> uh, we were contractually obligated to say those yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so for those of you who don't know, uh, just a couple weeks ago, Phil started a kind of crowd-supported um, um, investigation part two into fossils, uh, data, his hands and the data coming from that. So we're going to get to that later. But for now, he just started his um, third or fourth challenge with uh, Chance Cormith. Yeah, um, it's, I mean, technically, technically, I guess it's the, technically it's the fifth, but I just only, like, I finished two, played a mini challenge against Jungle Man, and then um, the started the Perkins one. So whatever you want to call that. Yeah. What is, what is the status of the jungle man one before we dive into chance? It's still on. Um, basically it's waiting for me to get out of the U S and hopefully at, at a time that he is, uh, so we can play it, uh, which right now is probably not for a while. Cause this chance match is a long one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know that I was probably rooting for the chance match to go on for several years. <laughs> so yes, she doesn't is. have to leave again. <laughs> yep. It absolutely is. Yeah, so how has the start of that gone? I've seen the swings. It's been kind of crazy. Um, to be expected, those swings, or is yeah. this out of the ordinary? No, it's to be expected um, at these stakes, and uh, I, I expect we'll we'll see bigger ones. Um, it's going well. It's been um, – this one was kind of the – this one I was the most curious about because there's kind of the most variance in terms of how he was going to play. Um, I kind of knew what I was getting with – with everybody else, but with chance, you know, he's a, um, you know, been a high stakes regular in general for a long time, but is mostly playing live tournaments, live cash games, um, and heads up PLO online is a different beast. And so I had like, I could have seen him coming out and playing really poorly. I could have seen him coming out and playing really well or anywhere in between. So there was a lot of anticipation in that respect, uh, from my end. So it's unique. Uh, and he's, Unfortunately, played closer to to well, <laughs> to that to that end of the spectrum. He uh, from playing no limit with him, I just can't even imagine him with four cards. He's a sick human being. I think he revels yeah. in like his own sickness, where he can just get people to fold huge hands. And even when he gets caught, he's like, ah, whatever. I've played I've played enough with Chance, and I've just watched him play. Uh, is he a sick PLO person? Like I can't even imagine giving him more cards. Yeah, it has been. Um, it's definitely going to be more of a like a street poker match than any of my other ones, uh, because neither of us are really adhering to uh, what solvers would would tell you to do, and uh, we're trying to outguess each other. And those are um, those are fun for me, but actually, I'm I'm a little out of practice at it, so so uh, it'll be some adjustment. I saw he tweeted something like I don't know, like the feeling you get when you bluff Phil Gal <laughs> successfully is like off the charts. What was what was, do you remember that hand or, um, no, he's, he's, I don't even think he was referring to one specifically. There's cause like, I don't get to see, or maybe, maybe he was, but I don't get to see his bluffs. He, he's not showing them. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had a lot of big pots with thin hands, um, happening in, in each direction. And I, I, yeah, I think we'll see a lot more of it. Uh, I he's definitely he'd slow down. He had, he's having a kid soon. You think, so? you think yep. maybe he'd chill out, but no, <laughs> no, it's like, you got to get it all out. Out of your system before you have a kid. Yeah. <laughs> Now's the time. Now's the time, Chance. 
Um, is Spencer going to make an appearance on the pod by any chance? I, to, uh, I guess I could arrange, I could maybe force it. But no, he's busy. Uh, he's busy playing with cars. He calls every car a police car now and he then makes a siren sound. So that's um, what he's into. Cute. Um, so this puzzle gate type mm-hmm. part two. Um, so Justin Kratis, Kratis came out with a letter a couple weeks ago. What was your initial reaction to that? And what was like the biggest thing that struck you about that letter? The, the thing that struck me about it was it, it felt very, um, well, it felt very celebratory and also, um, like he took the opportunity to kind of bash a lot of the people who were either, uh, you know, I'll say alleged victims, uh, or, um, or, or content creators who really just did a good job. Like, and, and, uh, he's not the only one, but thinking of like Joey, um, uh, he talked about people like cherry picking things. Joey just live streamed an enti- entire streams and talked through every hand. He was like, uh, he put in a ton of hours and, uh, yeah. So it rubbed me the wrong way, um, for that reason. Uh, and, and it seems, and just kind of kept coming. Uh, it seems to be his thing. I guess I, I didn't know him well, uh, at all before, before this month. Yeah. Uh, when I was reading it, I was like, does he know what cherry pick means? He kept saying cherry picking and I'm like, by streaming 20 hours or probably more and just taking it hand after hand after hand, no matter what order they were in. And some of the hands are boring. It's just like, okay, nothing to see here. Next hand. That's the complete opposite of cherry picking. What was he talking about? I don't know. I think it's like the, uh, like almost like Trump strategy. If you just kind of like say these, these keep repeating things that, that are the, your, your supporters or I don't know. I don't know if they have any supporters, but your supporters, uh, counter arguments from then on. Yeah. Uh, personally, uh, it was upsetting for me because I'm good friends with Mac Verstandig. Um, and I mm-hmm. know what strategy he took and it didn't work out well. I know the frustrations involved that California law was not going to be favorable to our case, our poker yeah. players community case, I guess. Um, and knowing that that was kind of the writing on the wall for a while. And then, seeing the statement Justin made, which was just like, see, it absolves everyone. And he didn't stop at himself, which very well could be true. Um, but he included everything like, hi, you idiots, there was no cheating. And I was reading that just yeah. so, uh, just so frustrated. And on Mac's behalf, I was like, it just like makes him look bad. And I'm not sure that he really deserves all the hate he's been getting. Yeah, obviously. I, yeah, I don't understand all the legal implications. But it's clear that like, I mean, it's it seems like it's, it's happened many times that the courts don't really uh, get gambling enough to, or, or, you know, or the laws are structured in a way that there's nothing you can really do like in this case. But, um, yeah. but yeah, it was, it was a bummer. Like, well, you're going to break kneecaps. Like that's, yeah. that's what <laughs> they're saying. It's like, you don't want these things to be settled outside of the court. Like that would be very bad for everyone. Um, and I've seen uh, threats going back and forth from both sides now of, of, you know, physical violence and I'm reading it being like, well, is this just naturally what will happen when there's no resolution in, in the courts? crazy yeah no i mean i hope not uh but yeah i i do wish that the courts could could do better but i don't even know how that's possible i mean and it, like for this specifically maybe the, they could change the laws such that they're allowed to actually like yeah try a case like this uh and have a legitimate like a real chance at, at getting something if they find cheating but um 
but yeah, in general, it's really tough to, to get anything done. Um, like, yeah, to get anything done in the courts with, with poker in general. And even like, I don't know, I think back to the, the Phil Ivy cases where like, I don't know, it, it, I just think the courts are not capable of understanding gambling. It's hard to understand if you're not a gambler. And there's just this idea that gamblers are shady and scummy. It comes mm-hmm. at the territory and we'll just figure it out ourselves. Like the, the Phil Ivy case was frustrating to read as well. Cause I'm like, well, if he just lost, if, yeah. if someone loses 6 million straight playing Baccarat, they're like, okay, have a good day. I, we gave you some comps, enjoy the spa. Um, yeah. But if you actually find an edge and exploit that edge, you are in court for five years and your name is tarnished. Yeah. And the, and obviously the court, well, maybe it shouldn't be obvious, but they don't understand if he maybe had, I don't actually know the numbers, but maybe he had a, a 2% edge, a 5% edge or something. And so maybe they, they, even if they think that that was cheating, which I don't think it was, maybe they give, you know, however many bets he made times the 4% edge that he wasn't supposed to have mm-hmm. back or something, but they never consider something like that. It seems like. Yeah. There's still a lot of people in the outside world who I think are looking at it like maybe he's just a god. <laughs> maybe he's <laughs> that good because yeah. they don't understand the difference of the number. Yeah, yeah yep. that's kind of leading into the question I was going to ask you. Is that your hope in reviewing these hands? You have a lot of credibility, and I think uh, the poker community would agree that you, you're someone who if you review 100 hours of this or if you get a team to review 100 hours and you go, wow, actually this is like within – a reasonable, you know, amount mm-hmm. of luck and skill and whatever. And he, like, you seem like someone who you could find that and be like, wow, that's crazy, but this is possible. Um, are you hoping to just use your like credibility and I don't know, reasonableness to go through <laughs> it and just say, Hey, these are the findings I have. And like, maybe people in the public will accept that. More or less. I mean, this, it, it's a few different things. So when I read the, mostly when I read the Justin, not, believing that Postle cheated, um, which, you know, there could be multiple reasons for. I guess I got curious just as an observer, you know, if he was kind of given some more irrefutable proof, um, what his stance would be. And I felt like, you know, obviously, I don't think anything's going to happen in the courts. Um, I've learned since starting this that, um, you know, that Veronica has been, you know, threatened with legal, like, threatened with legal action. So maybe it could help in something like that. But, um, but no, it's more, I just, there's all this evidence that you can, you can watch these videos and be a, you know, a poker expert, even not even like expert expert, but understand poker, watch the videos. And it seems everybody, um, who does that comes to the conclusion that he was certainly cheating, but the, I guess it didn't seem, it seems easy to me if you have all the data to kind of prove it beyond reasonable doubt, which, you know, we're not doing in a court, but I think that would be nice to have for the poker community. So first, my first thought was, you know, I think that I could do a good job of analyzing this data. Now of poker, I might be better than 97% of poker players at analyzing this data, but that still leaves, you know, thousands of players probably better than me at doing it. But uh, like you said, I think more people will listen to me than, you know, somebody who plays 200 live NL who's actually an expert in statistics and, and would, would do a better job than me. Um, so I wanted to, uh, to put together a report and, uh, because of that. And then, um, I realized that a lot of people were saying, Oh, I'll volunteer to, to help with the data. I'll volunteer for this. Berkey's got a, got a guy working on this. Um, 
but and my first thought was cool somebody's eh, sean's talking sean deep's talking about a uh, gofundme to yeah. fund an investigation and all these things that are happening um but i realized nothing was really moving and once again i'm not better uh, in a position like i'm not an expert in any of this like organizing a but but i knew that just i thought somebody just had to say all right i'll i'll manage this and it's not even you know i'm not going to be reviewing all the hours of video myself and um i already have a lot of people reaching out to volunteer and to help organize it such that the you know it's easy on the volunteers to transcribe the hands etc um so it's not even that i'm doing that much it just i realized that somebody in a position with you know a lot of followers um had to organize it or we just keep talking about someone should do this and i would help if they did and and so on and so forth yeah and that that was one of the frustrating things for me is just reading on social media that people can kind of rewrite history like everyone kind of gets bored of talking about this stuff and actually trying to get facts or anything and then some people can just dig in on their side and be like well the court said this and the settlement was that and you know so apostle didn't do it and he could play over here if he wants to i think just hammering mm -hmm. home the like incredible uh just every single hand every river decision every time he was bluffing like every every single thing went right forever. What is the chance of this happening? So that people have more of a leg to stand on when they say, I don't want this guy in my game. I think that'd be a really good conclusion to come to. If, if And that'd be a really good um, result. If you can just hammer home that this is so ridiculous that a floor person can say, we do not want this guy playing in our casino at the end of it. And it's like, you, we're not getting those people their money back we're not getting a guilty verdict in court, but at least there's some repercussions for screwing over a bunch of people that we all care about. Yeah, well, well said. To that end though, what do you think, what are the main trends that you think will prove this and how, how is your work different than Joey's, which was more kind of just footage? I mean, a lot of the evidence, I mean, a lot of the hands were ridiculous when you look at them one at a time and also combined with him staring at his crotch the entire time. <laughs> like there are a lot of things that come from that, that footage that are, <laughs> that are kind of conclusive, but statistical analysis won't factor in how often he was staring at his crotch. It'll just look at, you know, uh, well, to, to answer your question, I think, I think river play is going to be very important. Um, mostly because it's the easiest to, like the decisions are simpler. So if he knows somebody's hand on the flop, there could still be a lot of viable ways to play his hand that like him taking one action doesn't necessarily mean that uh, one thing or the other. And if we look at stats, he'll sometimes do this, sometimes do that uh, when he has the best hand or worst hand, because depending on the board or the spot or what people are representing, you know, there's a better way to play it. Um, but on the river, when somebody bets and you have the worst hand and they have the nuts, there's, there's only one right way to play the hand. And so I think on the river is, is where we'll see kind of the most, telling evidence statistically speaking and it'll be times like you know basically bluff success because your bluff success and, and comparing his bluff success rate to everybody in the game uh things like when he is you know facing a river bet with less than top pair um uh how he does with his river calls mm -hmm. so you know a lot of people, when they have less than top pair and they call the river, they're going to be beat like two thirds of the time or, you know, whatever around that. Um, is he going to be beat 10% of the time? 20%? I don't know. Um, obviously, there are the spots like uh, I saw one hand recently where he has uh, eights full 
and he just calls the river against a boat. Like that's why you need to say less than top pair. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I think those couples stand out to me. And, um, I, I made a, I tweeted a list of some that I had thought of. I don't remember off the top of my head, but, uh, I got some good suggestions from the community too. Um, but I, I think a lot of them will be very telling. Um, and, and I'm absolutely, you know, if I look at those and his numbers look pretty reasonable and we just have some of these outlier hands and, you know, it's not inconceivable that he's really good at reading people, you know, I, I'd be happy to say that. Um, but I, I, I doubt that's going to be the case. Yeah, I think that's like they had tried to float that possibility in the beginning of like, I'm just sick at reading people. I'm like, you don't even look at people. You <laughs> look at your crotch. Like, what are you reading? They're pheromones? Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I did you get a chance to see the Bart Hansen breakdown? I did. He picked yeah. out like 10 hands. I thought it was interesting also the way he grouped them because it really drove the point home. Um, one thing that I hadn't thought about that much was um, the hands where he has some shred of value or even decent value where he bets people off of a chop or turns value mm-hmm. hands into a bluff. Weird, just like weird things that you would never do as a winning poker player that he's just doing. And he's never doing them in the other direction where he's getting caught getting out of hand with second pair or whatever. Um, I just feel like, I, I don't know, it sucks so bad to like watch hand after hand after hand and not be able to say like, see, there's evidence. I was praying that there would have been like something that there would have been um, that like the FBI would go in DOJ and, and, and say text messages and video footage and yeah. whatever. And it's like, uh, it's just frustrating. It's like, we're never going to get that hundred percent clarity that everyone wants. Yeah. Yeah. And those hands, and actually like those are examples of things that are, that are tougher statistically to, to come out. Um, but when you just watch them, But yeah, the challenge with those is I, you you can look at those hands and be like, that seems like he's clearly cheating. Are there any examples of hands where the opposite happened? And the other side can say, yeah, probably go, go find them. And, and like, I can't say definitively that there aren't because I haven't looked through all of the footage. Um, So that's why I I could like the idea of something more comprehensive, uh, even if it, you know, doesn't have the benefit of, of, you know, things like that, where it's kind of obvious when you look at an individual hand or you watch a video, uh, especially. Um, but you know, once we have the data, which, you know, is, is no easy task, uh, I I'll do an analysis, but other people can too. And maybe other people can look through their own ideas of things. Like every time you had a chop on the river, what did you do? And like, uh, show these spots and, you know, not necessarily have all the video clips, although we actually, we probably would have them mapped to the hand histories at that point, but I'm just saying, no, there's zero examples of this. And, you know, I could say that with confidence because we've looked at every hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wild. <laughs> yeah. It's funny too. Cause I, I mean, I was, I feel like in the last couple of weeks now, like my name's gotten very attached to the postal investigation. I was never, I mean, I was a casual observer. I was like everybody else that, you know, is a poker enthusiast on Twitter following the story before. Um, I wasn't especially involved um, in any way and didn't, I mean, I, I thought it seemed pretty obvious that he cheated, but I didn't have like super hot takes or anything. I, I wasn't really <laughs> a, a part of it, but yeah, just, I guess now I am. <laughs> Well, that's why you're a good person to go through it now and to get people to go through it because you're not looking for clicks. You're busy with your life. You're not like a bored mm-hmm. person who's like, oh, yes, 100 hours of YouTube footage yeah. that I can put <laughs> on now. I think that that 
that makes you a more credible person that you're not like super excited to get this guy. You just feel like it's yeah. you and you yeah. want to get to the truth. Yeah. I just want, yeah, I want to get to the truth. And I think that we have more than enough people who are qualified of doing it. It just, they need, they needed to get organized. Um, and that's all. Yeah. I feel like this is going to jeopardize your legacy though, of that Pharaoh was very concerned about of you're going to be remembered as a great poker player and businessman. Uh, you save the community from Mike Postle, but it's going to be forgotten how hot you are according to Pharaoh. She did. Yes. Um, and, and I'm wondering, is that something that's factoring in here? Where you're like, maybe I shouldn't get so involved. It's going to cloud the whole perception. Of no, me. I mean, that's been a concern of mine my whole career. And um, <laughs> it's just something that, you know, like, it's something I've been dealing with for a long time. And uh, no, I, I don't think this has a big impact on it. <laughs> Speaking of that, we have our little, our 10 percenters bet that's going to end in, in 10 mm. days. And I just want to report that I had cake for breakfast today. <laughs> I, I had a, I had a whole pizza. <laughs> and I, norm, I normally don't, I don't normally don't eat until like 5 PM, but mm -hmm. it's somehow the bet has, has like, it's made I'm me worse. It's the same thing because I'm paying attention to it. So for a little background, we have a bet. Yeah. It's about 15 people. Uh, it's Remco started it. Um, you had to lose 10% of your body weight. I think we began June 7th and October 7th is the end. Um, and you have to every month do a weigh-in. And for whatever reason, I was going very well with this. And then I'm doing the same thing as you. It's in my mind now every day where I'm just like, okay, I have to make weight October 7th or you owe $500 per pound that you don't lose. And I just had cake for breakfast. Yeah. That one, who yeah. would do that? What reasonable person? That's like what Spencer would do if you gave him the choice. If I'm 38 could, oh, yeah. and I'm eating. Cake <laughs> <breakfast>. <laughs> well, no, I'm a little, I am a little different than you because I'm, I'm far. I like I was on target for the first month and then I had like whatever excuses and, and have no longer been on target. And so like, I've just given up entirely. And so that's the problem is if I didn't have this bet, I wouldn't have, like I'd just be living my normal life, but now I'm just like, okay, I was trying to eat well. Now I'm not at all. I'm, I'm, I can't win. I'm over it. I'm just, so now I can do whatever I want. And so yeah. I've actually, yeah. It's, it's a mental thing. Once October 7th passes and it's over and it's just like, okay, we lost or we won, whatever. Yeah. Then you'll be like, I'll have scrambled eggs for breakfast and a black coffee, right? <laughs> like, cause you just don't have to worry about it. It's not the guilt eating and the stress eating anymore. Thanks a lot, Remco. Yeah. <laughs> Um, by the way, today I think is Jamie's birthday. Oh yeah. I'm old balls, Happy man. birthday. Thanks. Happy birthday. <laughs> I texted yesterday. I thought it was yesterday, but um, it is. Oh, thank you. I checked my whole house for an additional puppy, but Chris dropped the ball. I still just have two. Well, you kind of, okay. So you kind of, um, <laughs> it, it's a little, it was a little misleading before knowing that eating a cake uh, for breakfast <laughs> out of nowhere. I mean, you had, a, you did have a reason to eat a cake for breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. But still I'm, I'm like, what is it? Nine days away, nine days away. It's probably a bad time to just be completely just saying. Well, yeah. Cause you still, you, so you have a shot. I don't yeah. have a shot. I mean, I have a, sh I could easily not lose as much. Just a juice fast <laughs> <And right I'm, laughs> what's that? Just do a juice fast right now for like, you know, I got, week. I got a long way to go. I don't think it's, gonna, I mean, <laughs> I don't, I don't think I have hope of winning. I could, ha I could lose less, but I, everybody seems really nice and uh, I just give them a little more money. It's okay. That's what Jamie was saying is like, because the money doesn't mean as much to you as, as like her or other people in the bet, you're just like, it has to be like, it should be for you like a hundred K for every pound or whatever. Yeah, it is. Um, it's, it's, 
a disadvantage, but um, but no, it's it's all right. I had one really good one, one summer WSOP. Uh, I made a bet. It was with um, Dan Martin, Retchie, um, Tyler Patterson. We had two other people. You had to pay $100 every day that you did not go to the gym. So it didn't even have to be go run 20 minutes on the treadmill. That counted. You just had to send a picture of you sweaty and miserable, and that was it. Um, Tyler won a bracelet in the middle of the summer, said, fuck it. Every day went drinking. <laughs> he literally just went 100 to the pile, 100 to the pile. <laughs> Yep. So by the end of the summer, I, I don't know how much I made, but I ended up probably getting paid like a hundred bucks per mile <laughs> that I yep. jogged. I was like, wow, we didn't even, nice. we weren't even targeting the rich people. You know, we were yep. just, we were making a bet between friends, but one person became rich and then yep. Robin Hooded you, all of us. And you sleep. didn't even know that you were rooting for him to, to think a bracelet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man. I, you didn't know you had a piece of it. I didn't know. Yeah, that was sweet. Yeah. Um, Something funny that I kind of like grew into this. I used to make fun of this playing poker in a club like 15 years ago. Um, someone brought in a pizza and I was like, oh, no, I'm I'm trying to lose a little weight. Uh, I'm good. And he's like, oh, how much did you bet? And I was like, I didn't bet anything. I just don't want to clog my arteries and I'm trying to lose a little weight. And the guy was so confused. And I was like, what a weirdo. Now I totally get it. I'm like, if I'm going to lose weight, you better, you better pay me for it. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was going to do a good job with this because... I, um, I'm always like very all or nothing with, with fitness and, um, the, and bets have gone well for me in the past. And I actually thought the fact that it was a group of like 15 people that, uh, you know, many of which I didn't know that well, that I would have like shame for not doing well, but <laughs> I guess I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you have I'm a surprised. lot going on though. I think also I you it's add fair. a kid to the mix and it's like, there's extra stress in your life. You're probably not sleeping as well. For me, that's a huge thing. Yeah. If yeah, I'm getting really crappy sleep, I'm not like motivated to eat well and go running and stuff like that. So maybe that factored in. I don't know. Yeah, I think for me, when it goes wrong, it's because I like feel like something that I'm doing is really important. And I'm just like, this doesn't matter right now. I'm mm-hmm. working on the business or I'm playing a challenge. So this doesn't matter right now. Yeah. So much like mental, like what do they call it? Um, bandwidth, you know, yeah. you have to work out all the time every day and stuff. Even me, it's like, I feel like depleted after a workout. I don't feel energized. I feel depleted. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah. Um, there's, there've been like psychological studies too, that are the decision-making center of our brain gets really tired. If you just make decision after decision all day long. So I think if the challenge is the only thing you're focusing on, you probably would be a favorite to make it, but you're also doing a lot of stuff. So you might yeah. just be exhausted and just like, it's okay. Whatever. As someone who just ate cake for breakfast, you ate a pizza, whatever. No, this is a judgment free zone. Um, (laughs) I'm the kind of person that it's like, if it's 9 PM and I've made great decisions all day, that's when I'm like, fuck it. Pizza time. Cause my brain's like, dude, you tried so hard. You made it 12 (laughs) hours. (laughs) I don't know. And you did, you earned it kind of. Yeah. We need, uh, we need like, um, Elliot Rowe in here to talk to Mm -hmm. us. We should have gotten some mental game of eating coaching. That would have been great. I'm going on his podcast tomorrow. I'm excited. So I'll have to oh, cool. I'll have to get some tips while I'm there. I, I want to do a session with him too. I've never done one. I have. It's, it's, uh, it's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. We interrupt this podcast with an important message from our sponsors at Run It Once. Start playing on Run It Once Poker today, where you can join the battle for over 12,500 euro in total cash prizes as part of our popular leaderboard program. 
This week, we're running three No Limit Hold'em leaderboards and four Pot Limit Omaha leaderboards featuring a variety of different stakes, with a total of 185 finishing spots winning cash prizes, and the top three spots on each board gaining private, early bird, sit-and-go access. For full details, head to once.run slash boards. And if you want to maximize your chances of snagging a top spot on one of those boards, head on over to Run It Once Training, where you'll find the largest library of high-quality poker training content on the web, with two new videos posted daily, produced by an impressive stable of some of the greatest minds in the game, including Run It Once founder, Phil Galfond. Sign up today at once.run learn, and you'll get free access to three of our elite-level videos. And now, back to the pod. Yeah, I've been getting emails great. about the mental game courses. Do you want to talk about that for a minute? Because I haven't taken a course yeah. through Run It Once, but I have done a session with him and it was excellent. Yeah, so his course is, I don't even know all this. I don't know how many videos or anything, um, but uh, it's uh, it it takes you through, I, I think like the the really cool thing about this course and working with Elliot in general that I found is like, the biggest impacts for me have been uh, like on my life rather than just, you know, my poker game and at the table. And it's, um, it's things that you're not go you're, you're going in looking to just improve your win rate and uh, you know, your mental game while you're at the table. And it, uh, the thing that Elliot does so well, and this is both in the course and in sessions um, is kind of just makes it more obvious to you where your priorities lie and um, and what you have to do to to kind of achieve your goals um, and like the areas you need to work on. So I find, um, yeah, I found it to be really helpful working with him in general and, and the course just in, in kind of regular life, I say here as I ate a whole pizza for breakfast. But <laughs> that wasn't, uh, that that's not, not eating a pizza for breakfast is not one of my top priorities, I guess. Mm-hmm. It um, will be but, now. He's going to be like, visualize yeah. yourself eating one <laughs> slice and putting yeah. the rest in the fridge. And you'll be like, I don't like this exercise. No, sorry, <laughs> Elliot. It's not for me. Um, but he, he has one, one cool exercise that, that he does in the course. Um, I think it's called brave, the brave system where it, it, it walks you through like figuring some things out that are holding you back, which generally, um, you know, fear-based. Um, and I, for example, found like a resistance to studying specifically solvers. And, um, it's kind of like, a uh, it's kind of like a fear of failure thing where, um, you know, what if I go in and there's all this new information to process and, and memorize and like, what if I'm not that good at it? And I sit there and I'm trying to digest the information. I can't anyways, this is, those are my issues. Um, and, then he, the, he takes you through like, I don't know, he's just giving the course away, but uh, he takes you through like um, writing out, uh, imagining the worst case scenario and really visualizing it. Like what happens if, what happens if I go in and I'm studying for a while and I'm just like, I don't get this. Maybe I'm not as smart as I think. Maybe I'm washed up, like whatever it is. Um, he, he has you visualize that. And then he says, you know, well, what would you do in that case? And, um, this was, I took the course a while ago. I don't remember what I would do. Um, but it, it was really helpful in, in figuring out like, I mean, basically 
get you to try the things that your your kind of subconscious is holding you back from or your anxieties and fears are holding you back from uh, because you'll mm-hmm. figure it out. It'll be okay. Um, and, and things like that. I mean, that was poker specific example, but it's all, it all uh, applies to life and a lot of things that come out of it are kind of, yeah, like I said, figuring out your priorities in life and um, kind of structuring your life in a way that helps you achieve the things you want to. Yeah. The flip side of that, when we did a session, um, Jen Shahadi actually bought me a session for my birthday several years ago. Um, and it was amazing. Cause I won't like, I- I'm afraid of like sitting down with a therapist or something and then picking apart everything. I'm like, this is not my thing. Don't want to visualize walking through a red door into a field of whatever. Like, it's not my thing, yeah. but then talking to him, it was more reality based where I was explaining what my routine was like and what my frustrations were. Um, and you know, what my goals were. And he went through it and we were talking about the types of things I played. And he was like, okay, your best case scenario then would be an ROI of what in these smaller tournaments in New Jersey at the time. And I'm talking about, and he's like, okay, so if everything goes great, you can't reach the goals that you have. And I was like, what Mm -hmm. do you mean? And we go through it and I'm like him knowing poker and knowing uh, like elite poker players helped a lot because he went through and was like, look, unless you move up and unless you start studying for real, you're not going to reach the goals you have. You're going to be frustrated in five years also. And it made me realize I really enjoy doing things outside of poker that are poker related. You know, like mm-hmm. I don't want to play every single minute of my life. I like commentating. I like poker Twitter. <laughs> I like mm-hmm. podcasting. And he kind of pushed me in that direction. And it was so helpful because I didn't realize that like I was going to be permanently frustrated the path I was taking. I feel like he's really, really good at this like specifically helping poker players and athletes and getting, you know, and there's none, I thought it was going to be more of the like uh, shrink stuff. And I was going to leave it being like, okay, whatever. Now I have a breathing technique. Thanks a lot. And it was completely different than that. Yeah. I was going to say like, this stuff kind of reminds me a little bit of um, Tim Ferriss does a lot of this um, fear quantifying and, and, and stuff like that. But it's interesting because I think that was, I've been doing, I'm actually doing some regular therapy right now and I've been thinking about doing some sessions at Elliot, but it's cause I thought it was more poker, but it sounds like he's more real life. So yeah, no, it's whatever you, you want it to be. And, and sometimes, yeah, you fit, you figure out what you want it to be as you go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, for me, like the, the whole, um, the Galphon challenge was kind of born out of working with Elliot. It was, you know, through working with him, I, I realized that I really missed playing poker um, that like, I love playing poker and though, you know, like bef- before working with him, I would say 95% of my time was spent working on the business. And of that 95%, you know, probably two thirds was, do- you know, me doing things that, that a lot of other people could do. Mm-hmm. Um, and he made me, re- and I, I didn't enjoy like at least half the stuff I was spending my time on. And so he made me realize that, uh, you know, not only did I really enjoy playing poker a lot more, but I can still help the business maybe more by being filled a poker player than, you know, working with the team day in and day out. Um, because I had kind of fallen out of the, the public eye a little bit and I wasn't playing at a high level. Um, and then he, yeah. And then he made me realize that, you know, it, it was worth uh, asking Farah a very big favor of, of leaving the country for a while as I, as I helped promote the site. Um, so yeah, that was all. Um, I mean, I, I thought of the idea, uh, for the challenge, but it all came from things that I kind of learned about myself from him. 
Um, what was that like in the beginning of the Veni match when I know well, from what you're saying, it sounds like some comments and also internally it was bothering you to not be at the top of your game anymore and like having people ch- chime in all the time and probably say things like that when you haven't been playing that much and whatever um, probably was kind of annoying as well. Um, when you started the match with Veni and it was going poorly, I, I want to know, mm-hmm. is it real? Like, do you just go on Twitter and you're like, you haven't thought that much you're just like hey positivity and whatever or is there like an hour of just self-torture before you get to that point where you can just say like i'm going to have a positive outlook on this um somewhere in between i do i think um get to a positive outlook pretty quickly naturally um but i mean i was bummed it was it was disappointing to to come back to poker in that way and um you know, in a, in a, in the public eye immediately. Like I was not expecting to start and immediately be at the top of the game. Um, there's no shame in, you know, playing a great player and losing, but I had prepared and I really felt like going into the match, I really felt like I could be a favorite. And so kind of my hopes, my hopes and expectations were high going in. So it was a bummer in that respect. It didn't, it didn't bother me too much that, that people were kind of, a lot of people were saying, you know, I should quit. I was washed. Well, quit actually saying I should quit is just some people have given me good advice or, you know, trying to, trying to help me out. But, um, but saying I was washed up, I have no chance. Things like that didn't really bother me because I knew that I was going to play a lot of challenges. Um, and I knew I could compete and, you know, if people think I'm terrible, then I can get more action and better action anyways. So I, I knew I'd have time to, to, to kind of prove that I could play still. What would have happened if the worst case scenario, let's take the LA row one. Let's just say you lost $3 million. It was the worst first match of all time. Was there ever a, a chance you would actually just say, screw this whole challenge? Like, thanks guys, but I'm going to chill out with my baby. <laughs> um, I think. So I probably would have quit before 3 million. Um, because at that point the all hope would be lost of winning the side bet. I mean, it was almost lost, but, um, I w I would have been more convinced that I, that I should quit before then. Um, so let's say 2 million. Uh, mm. I think that I would have, I would have not played action freak next. Um, I would have, um, tried to play some of the other matches, uh, cause I expected basically Venny to be my second best opponent and action freak to be my best. Um, mm. Actually, they were both, I don't, I don't know. It might be the other way. Right? They were both pretty close. But um, yeah, I would have tried to play some of the other challenges first and see how, seen how I did. Um, but I, I probably would have kept going and, you know, be more uh, ready to quit against Action Freak or, or others. I mean, if it was going poorly at the start um, than I was uh, against Fanny. But no, I would have kept going. And, and, you know, part of that is, Part of that is having side bets uh, to defend. Part of that is, uh, you know, like uh, being in the public eye and having some pride. Um, I don't know how much how much of each. So uh, but sure. but part is because I because I thought because I do feel like I, I do have confidence that I can get better. So your chance side bet is two hundred fifty k to your one million. How do you come up mm-hmm. with that number? Um, so it started. At the start of the challenge, I threw out, um, I think I offered three to one to any uh, like poker coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just an open offer. 
whereas with other with non coaches that didn't make training videos, um, we just negotiate on a case by case basis. And but that was for fifty thousand hands. Um, I had no takers. I upped it to five to one for like forty eight hours because I, I wanted a taker. <laughs> um, and, and, uh, chance reached out and anyways, we negotiated to 35,000 hands instead of 50 and four to one instead of five to one. Cool. Um, there's been a lot of heads up matches springing up lately. I'm wondering yeah. if you inspired some of them. Um, cause it is a fun format to watch and it brings out that like grudge match feeling that I feel like poker used to have so many more heads up for roles challenges, despite probably 1% of them actually coming to fruition ever. Uh, and so poker goes running their heads up thing. Now there was just Esfandiari versus Helmuth and then uh, the Doug versus Daniel. I wonder if you have any thoughts on any of that. And uh, I don't know, just, I mean, I have, I have lots of thoughts on, on all the matches, but I, as far as like, if it, if I started something, I don't, I don't really know. Um, but it is cool. I love heads up poker. I think um, um, I actually just had the time yesterday to watch the second uh, duel. Um, I think that that has, I think actually for me personally, and I don't know if it is for everybody, but for me personally, I think that those two episodes of the duel are the most entertaining poker poker on TV I've ever watched, like by a mile. Really? It's the best. Yeah. I think it's the best. There's format. so much I mean, shit talking. It's great. They're yeah. so, they're, they act as entertainers. I know some of it is, uh, definitely them being like, oh, we should really whatever, but they really genuinely hate each other once in a while. Like they're good friends, yeah. Esfandiari and Helmuth, but yeah. The barbs are real, in my opinion. The barbs are, I mean, obviously there are great personalities for it, but but for me, that's half of it. The other half is that actually the poker is extremely interesting. I think the, like watching people play a, you know, six-handed sit and go, um, like compared to deep stack, I mean, it's mostly deep stack uh, for most of the match. Uh, heads up, no limit um, is really, is really compelling. And actually uh, another kind of uh, bold take um is uh, for me like this i th i think for me this kind of solidified or, or i don't want to say changed my mind but um basically phil Helmuth gained a lot of my respect as a player um during the course of these two matches and like he's somebody that i that like you know he's won more bracelets than anybody he's had a ton of success in the game um but he's somebody who you know our generation of poker players um have given a lot of grief to thinking he's overrated. And, um, I know that that's like a chip on his shoulder too. Uh, it, it seems pretty obvious when he's like, you know, what more can I do? I've won more bracelets than anybody and they still don't think I'm good. Like, <laughs> um, and I kind of always felt like I get where he's coming from. Cause that would be really frustrating. But at the same time, I was like, you know, a lot of the plays he makes, I don't think are good. And you know, this, that, and the other anyways. Um, but, uh, he, especially in this second one that I just watched really, really impressed me. Um, and, uh, and like heads up poker, heads up deep stack, no limit against a good player is a lot different than playing nine handed world series events against, you know, a bunch of recreational players. Um, and so you would think it'd be a format where he struggles a lot more. And actually I, I, I was super impressed with his play. The, do you remember the Jungle Man versus Helmuth hand where Jungle Man just folded a hand no one on earth could ever fold? I wish I remember the details of it. Yeah, um, I do. I don't remember the details. I started yeah. to think like there's something to Helmuth. I feel like our generation kind of wants to reject Helmuth as an elite player because of 
crazy plays he's made um, because of his attitude, because he does tend to brag about his accomplishments, which makes other people want to say, like, you do enough bragging, I'm going to tell you how bad you are. I feel like that's kind of what he gets. Um, but watching that hand and just watching him do things that should never work out and people just make terrible decisions against him um, just got me to start thinking that maybe his overall game plan makes up for some of the like technically bad plays that you could pick out one hand at a time. That maybe something about his like overall table image and everything is getting opponents to make mistakes that we can't really figure out why. I don't know. Yeah. White, white magic. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, why my check? No, his his uh, I mean his reading ability is is I don't know. I, I'm I was super impressed by watching uh, the second duel. Anyways, but um, I think it's not even just that his it, it doesn't even have to be that it's all part of his plan. Like he's going to make all these minus EV plays that that set up his image and and all that. I think it's just you know I, like there are a lot of players who could who could play better could get closer to a solver than I can at heads up PLO um, that I would still be a favorite against. Mm -hmm. And there are a ton of players that get closer to a solver than Phil Helmuth at six handed, no limit or whatever format. Um, But it doesn't mean, and so like he's going to make mistakes and some of them are going to be legitimate. Like some of them are solver mistakes that actually were good in the moment. Some of them are legitimate mistakes because Mm -hmm. he hasn't studied, you know, the technical aspects the same way other people have, but um, you know, when you're like, when you're making a read on the river, that is correct. 90% of the time that makes up for a lot of mm. pre-flop mistakes and flop sizing mistakes. Like it's just so much more money and so much more edge. Yeah. I want to have a heads up match with, where it's Helmuth versus Jason Kuhn and Jason Kuhn's coming fresh off a workout, eating grilled chicken, <laughs> beef jerky, drinking a green tea. And Helmuth is just going cheeseburger to the face chased by sour patch kids. Did you see that? I did. I was yeah. like, what? Oh, that can't even, he literally takes it. And it's so funny too, because they're wearing their masks because of COVID takes the mask off, takes a cheeseburger and a wrapper, just smashes it into his face, literally opens the sour patch kids and chases it with it. Like, not to be funny or anything, that's dinner. And Espandiari was so disgusted. He talked about it for like five minutes. Ali's in the booth just trashing him. It was really funny. But it would just be amazing to have like new school, healthy, probably meditated, hit the gym, grilled chicken versus cheeseburger, Sour Patch Kids, non-GTO, getting people to fold boats and stuff. I don't know. I want to see a Helmuth Possel match. That would be the ultimate. <laughs> that would be the ultimate decider. Well, yeah, the two best live readers in the world, probably. Exactly. Yeah. Can you imagine? Oh, oh, what poker TV? What, yeah. What's going to happen if I don't know? This, there's so many things that can happen. It's weird. We're all in timeout right now because of COVID, mm. um, and kind of Possel's just chilling. If Justin didn't write all that stuff and this didn't get dredged back up maybe time passes and people just accept the fact that this dude's going to be playing poker again, but you're putting it back in the spotlight. There's a chance this won't leave people's minds and possible not be invited to these places, but I kind of want to see him play. I want to see him play with no cameras on with like, or or basically with, with no help at stones. If he just wins all the time. Okay. Like maybe this person just has ESP. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that'll happen? You think he's going to be invited anywhere on these like streams or anything? I doubt it, but you know, who knows? I mean, people want to see it. So, Mm -hmm. so uh, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be um, like, 
I don't, I don't think the community would judge like a live at the bike or somebody for inviting him if that's what the people want to see. Um, maybe they would though. I don't know. I, I would hate for it to be in California again. You know that each I've commentated a bunch mm-hmm. of different states. Yeah. Certain states are amazing, like overly ridiculous with their rules. In Borgata, Kara Scott and I got locked out of the booth for the 15K WPT Tournament of Champions because they said, uh-huh. hey, go get a drink if you're going to get one, come back. And they were like, oh, they dealt, they dealt a card. You guys can't come in the booth. We're like, we don't have laptops, phones, anything. We're going to be on a delay. And they were like, gaming. Gaming says absolutely not. We're like, whoa, okay. Wow. Um, and then Poker yeah. Go is like absurd as well. You're tucked in the back. They're on a delay. There's a locked door. You can't bring anything back there for like the tech people. Um, yeah. It would be cool if you played at Poker Go. I wouldn't want them playing on Live at the Bike or another Stone Stream or anything in California right, right. where their rules just suck. They don't care. Yeah. Okay, cool. I didn't know. Um, I mean, I knew the, the court system in California didn't care, but mm-hmm. yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Maybe I don't you know. Can if run the, it. You can run an online run match or we'll play them. Like yeah. we'll have to watch him play live on like, I don't know, webcam or something. I just want to see him prove it. If he's so adamant that he's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I think that if hypothetically he was cheating the whole time, um, then he probably doesn't want to play elsewhere. So like, I, I don't think like, I don't know. I don't know much about him, but he's not going to be, uh, I think dumb enough to, if hypothetically he's cheating the whole time, uh, not mm-hmm. going to be dumb enough to go play on a bunch of streams again and likely not have the same results. Unless you convince yourself you're actually good too. Like yeah. People are really great at just deluding themselves. No one is That's the true. bad guy in their own story. So he could just be like, Oh, I was going to beat these people anyway. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. It, is, it is possible. 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 <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. we didn't have a Spencer sighting. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Still playing with police cars. Oh, <laughs> I was gonna see if he wanted to meet Buttercup. Does how does he feel about puppies? Does he love Little Egg yet? He does, but Egg doesn't really love him. So, because oh. he's Egg's a little dog. She's very small, and he's um, you know babies aren't that careful with like mm-hmm. hitting dogs and jumping on them and stuff, and so she. She's not into it, but yeah, he, he loves all dogs and bigger dogs are cool with it usually. Right, or maybe cool, they're cool nice, nicer little dogs. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah, this is great. Thank you for coming on. Is there anything else you want to add about Apostle or about the Galfon challenge? Do you want to plug your challenge on this run at once pod? <laughs> uh, people can watch the challenge if they want. It'll be, it's going to be fun. Um, no, people should play on run at once poker and, and go to run at once.com. That's all. That's what I'll Oh, plug. wait, that was my last question then. Are yeah. you guys looking into coming to the States ever? What are the barriers? Can you, could you be in Nevada and New Jersey? Um, is it not worth it? Is, is the licensing too expensive or what's the deal? The, um, I mean, the, the short answer is possible one day. Um, the biggest barriers are, yeah, just finances. It's, it's very expensive to get into the States. Um, and you know, you're individually looking at small player pools and, and not only is it expensive to get the licenses, but then in order, like, because the player pools are small, it's still only a few States. Uh, some are not sharing liquidity. Um, you just, you're going to lose money in the States for a while. Um, but I do think that over time more States will open up and, you know, establishing yourself as, as one of the companies in the U S uh, for the time, like, and losing money in the meantime for the time that they open up and you can actually 
you know, run a profitable poker site. Um, I think it's viable. We, we are a, uh, you know, not well funded enough to do it now. And, and B we're, we're not feature complete enough, but we're not that far off. Um, so, you know, like if we started on the process now, by the time we actually got licenses, we might be feature complete, but yeah, it's, it's not viable for us today. Um, but it's, it's something that could happen. Okay. I was thinking that was one of the saddest parts about you guys opening was that so many of your biggest supporters are in the U S yeah. yeah. So, you know, I say go play right at once. I've heard it's great. <laughs> it would be nice to actually <laughs> yeah. be able to play and experience it. When we played the heads up charity thing, I was like, this site is great. I really enjoyed playing on it. Um, Thank but you. that's my only experience so far. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. The software keeps improving too. I am really uh, confident with where it's going to be. And I agree that like, I mean, our following is bigger in the States than, than elsewhere. Um, so we have a leg up there. We also have a leg up in terms of, um, you know, a lot of sites have, there are not a lot of sites out there with their own software. And a lot of them have uh, operated in the U S when they shouldn't have, or at least when the legal system thinks they shouldn't have, you know? Um, so, you know, we're one of the only ones that, that don't kind of have those, those headwinds uh, against mm-hmm. us. So I think there's an opportunity. I think we're not, we're not there yet. And, you know, well, I, I mean, that's an understatement. We have a long way to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you're, you're so, you know, one step at a time, the software is really good. I mean, it's something that I really underappreciated until I saw how hard it is to just run games like that. Mm-hmm. And it's really tough to have amazing software. Um, yeah, but I have a small plug, uh, kind of related, definitely related to Runa Once. I did a training video. I don't know if you knew this, but I did like a play and explain with some of your essential coaches and that'll be coming out soon. So um, keep in, keep watch for that, people watching. Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. I can't wait. I feel, yeah, like nice. there's, I feel like there's a good chance Marley's play and explain is like reasonable, reasonable, reasonable. And then like, well, I three bet because fuck this guy's face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that uh, factors into a lot of your vlogs. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I tried to be like, I was really nervous, like really nervous. And I tried to, uh, I didn't do too much joking around in my commentary, but I were in a group chat and I, every time I like whatever, I would just like troll them in, in the group chat, but I kept the video serious actually. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It can be nerve wracking to do, uh, like, I it mean, is. it's been a while since I just started. Uh, but when I just started making videos, it's like, uh, yeah, it's intimidating because you're, you're, you have harsh critics. Um, they're or like, you know, the people are paying to learn. And so they're, well, that's, and they're good players. Yeah. It's different than just fucking around on Twitch or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, I think I have an advantage though, because they all kind of knew how each other play and I'm kind of a little bit unknown. So it worked out. I, yeah. I did really well, but you know, Randy. Nice. Well. <laughs> nice. Nice. Thanks all for right, guys. <laughs> um, we'll see you guys next week with another episode. And for now, be good. And, Run good.